Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing how and why to be more playful. Head knowledge is not the healer we want it to be. Information can be interesting. It can even be exciting or entertaining. But believe it or not, I don't think it's the stuff of healing. Healing is more born of doing than thinking. So many people have told me over the course of my career coming into counseling I know I deserve peace. I know I don't want to overthink or be anxious. It's like my mind knows, but I can't make my body feel the peace that my mind knows I deserve. Healing really does come more from doing than thinking. And this really is the proof. We are living through an information age. We can Google, we can search online for so much information, so much data But no matter how interesting that data is to us, beyond connecting a dot and having an aha moment of how that information connects to other information, it falls short. It serves our human egos. Our human egos are hungry for knowing. They want to know. They want to know. It's part of why peace in the present moment is hard for us as human beings, trauma history or not. Our egos want to be in the head. They want to think, 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 because thinking is less vulnerable than being in our bodies. The ego winds up dropping the ball. It's as if the ego has its own cognitive dissonance. It refuses to realize all this knowing isn't getting me to my goals. It's not doing much beyond the knowing. This knowing isn't making my body calm. It's not making my body peaceful. It's not making me more centered when life rears its ugly stress head and throws something my way that I didn't want to deal with. This knowing isn't even bringing me to more happiness. So how do I get there? And it makes us feel desperate because we're living through this information age, which is giving us this impression that knowledge is the magical healing superpower. And it's not. If you are healing a fried nervous system, a very important doing is being silly and playful. 
Now, what a kooky thing for me to say, right? Right? Okay, Nikki, I've been dealing with depression and anxiety and post-traumatic stress my whole life, and I just need to go play. Like that legitimately sounds like a load of crap. I get it. Permission to reparent yourself through embodied play and silly expression are practices of human freedom and thriving mode. This is what starts to teach a body to get out of survival and into thriving. One of the saddest things that I can hear a trauma survivor or a highly sensitive person say is, Nikki, it's just not my personality to be playful or silly. And that is so sad to me because every child is born to play. And this isn't something that I just want to be true. All young mammals play. It's not stupid. It's not a waste of time. It's not frivolous. It is a biological necessity of proper development that mammals play. This play programs our brains and our developments to prepare us to adult. This is why in animal documentaries that I'm going to assume that most all of us have seen, we can see that the cute baby animals, they're not just playing around to be cute for us, as cute as it is. Those baby mammals play to a purpose, not just to be cute. That purpose is getting them ready for adulthood through that play. When trauma, chaos, and immature or toxic parenting is at the helm of our childhoods, the free expression and practice of play is thwarted. It's repressed. It's minimized. It's not valued. And so our development gets thwarted, gets minimized, gets suppressed, gets repressed. People who had such childhoods sometimes never connect these dots, believing that anxiety and depression are part of who they are, are are part of their personality instead of symptoms from a lack of light and joyful, spontaneous play, a lack of encouraged curiosity Because that's how we learn to be embodied, by playing. And when that is encouraged and practiced and done as a major important doing, every day of our development, we integrate ownership over our bodies. We are balanced between head and body. This is part of why so many trauma survivors are overthinkers, overprocessors, and sometimes can't even answer a question What do you feel in your body? They're so disconnected. Growing up with too much stress robs us of spontaneous, easy, flowy play that creates this embodiment and this balance. In healthier homes with less chaos, less drama, more security, more safety, there is a lot of childhood play. Childhood play happens every single day. So what if a solution to anxiety and depression to post-traumatic stress type symptoms is to play more? What if this can be a tool that transforms your relationship to life and yourself? Play more. Could there be a negative consequence to that? Only workaholics will fight me on that. No, there's not enough time to play. Must work, must be productive. Yes, but we also must have balance. 
And that's part of what helps us not get burnt out on our lives and the work that this life requires of us. How's that old saying go? All work and no play makes Johnny a dull boy? Yeah, it makes him depressed. Your inner child will feel less anxious, less depressed, and can learn joy and lightness and presence through play. This is a solution-focused instead of problem-focused technique. In my opinion, too much therapy accidentally keeps people in and with the mental process of their problems without doing enough to encourage and model helping people learn to shift into activities, into action that actually create the feelings we want versus mentally in our thoughts, staying on and with the feelings we don't want, which keeps our bodies feeling what we don't want to feel. You might be able to hear the law of attraction in what I'm saying right now. The law of attraction says when we know what we don't want, we know what we do want. And in healing, we learn to put our energy, our power on the thoughts and behaviors we do want, which brings the body into the feelings and emotions that we do want. So here are five very simple yet profound ways to add play into today and into your life. Number one, daydream. Yep, it's all the rage, right? For people in my sphere and healing and mental health and self-development and spiritual direction to encourage meditation. I'm always going to encourage meditation, y'all. Always, always. It's great. It's awesome. It's a mind muscle that quiets the mind and we need that. And that is a great addition to our self-care and our soul care, our self-love in action to help us heal, to grow, to self-develop into the kind of life that we want with peace and joy and ease. But how about daydreaming? Daydreaming is different than letting your mind run in stress. Daydreaming is different than obsessing about problems and letting them swarm around like a giant thought storm. Daydreaming is different than living like Eeyore. What might you daydream? Is this a skill that you already have? Is this a skill that you're willing to develop and allow yourself to be in and with so it can develop? Here are some suggestions if you just go blank when you hear me offer the directive to daydream. You could daydream about the beach. You could daydream about your dream home. Sometimes I daydream complete conversations with my long dead grandparents. We can daydream and think and feel through experiences that we've already had. Maybe ones that were exciting. I've gone skydiving. That's a great place to let my mind just wander back to a part of my history that was so much about being present in that moment and nothing else. And the thrill I felt realizing what I had done as my feet finally hit the ground. So we can daydream about things that we've already lived through. That's very different than replaying and rehashing fights or arguments or mistakes or mess ups. We can daydream about whitewater rafting, whether we've done that or not, 
or just would like to, or maybe we'd like to, and the daydream is enough of an experience. What if you daydreamed about the stars at altitude? It's one of my favorite things when I backpack in the wilderness to see that nighttime sky so far away from city lights. Daydreaming is one of those things that sounds so simple, but know that you might feel some resistance if that's a struggle point and a growth edge for you. It can truly feel vulnerable to allow this energy, this lightness. It can feel frivolous. Our critical voice can come in and start to judge it. This is the symptom and the consequence of having too much stress at way too young of an age. So that part of us in an attempt to self-protect can show up when we're doing something new and good and different. And instead of clapping for us and cheering us on, it can go, whoa, this freaks me out. What are you doing? The mode that I live from is all survival all the time. There's no room for play. There's no time for play. This is almost dangerous because we're not being hypervigilant right now. That is the reality of that part of us. We cannot have good lives if we let that part make our life decision, y'all. That's the most blunt way that I can say that. And to those of you that are working in therapy or working on your own, you cannot give that part power because that part only makes decisions based on survival mode. And I want you out of survival. It might scare you, but I know that deep down you know That survival every day, all the time, since you were little to the last day of your life is wrong. It's not fair. It's not right. And we can do better than that. Even if it feels very foreign or very far away or even impossible, that's just a feeling. That's part of why I am here on this microphone to offer you an example of someone who has done this work. And I'm telling you, it is worth it. Don't let that part of you that is associated with survivorship, talk you out of the possibility of you healing and feeling more peace in your life. It doesn't understand that it self-sabotages the pursuit of peace and happiness and ease and centered security. So we have to train it differently, lovingly and firmly and with direction and with activities, not just thoughts. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask them all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? Well, we hear you, and we have been there too. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. Who are we? I'm Dr. Jess Steyer, a public health scientist and also co-host of the Unbiased Science Podcast. Every day, I'll chat with one or both of your new pediatrician besties, Dr. Dina DiMaggio, a general pediatrician, and Dr. Anthony Porto, a pediatric gastroenterologist. We'll talk about all the things related to our kids' health, from dealing with a colicky infant to navigating puberty in the teenage years. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, now live on all podcast platforms. There can be a lot pushing on this resistance to just play or daydream. I was raised by my German grandmother and I had to give myself some great permissions over the course of my adulthood to daydream 
Because as she saw daydreaming, which I naturally did as a child a lot, she saw that as a waste of time. She survived a lot during the depression and was very, very impacted by the depression. So for her to daydream as a child may have meant that she didn't hunt down food for her or her family. This is an understandable way to be. We can understand why she's that way. We can understand why we have resistance to play. She had an understandable born of trauma, fear of starvation from struggle, from poverty. I don't want to let the traumas of the past generations on my family tree make my present day decisions on the vibes of my life, on my self-care, y'all. It's as simple as that. So I learned to give myself permission to daydream and I learned to allow myself to practice daydreaming as an adult as something valuable and worthwhile, a very different and oppositional message to the message I had been raised with. And my inner child didn't know whether she could trust that for a while until we practiced it enough. And now she loves that we can daydream. And if my grandmother was still here, the insightful, strong woman she was, I suspect she would have walked some of this journey with me to find some peace in daydreaming as well. Here's my number two. Do a puzzle. Yep, either a simple little bitty puzzle just to practice presence with some kind of beautiful little picture that stirs something inside of you for no other reason other than I'm not in survival mode. I'm going to sit and enjoy a puzzle. Do you know that there are high-end wooden puzzles with really thick pieces? I love that tactile quality. I love having those pieces in my hands. It's a very simple doing. Number three, go somewhere you've never been before. Now, some of you, if you're a maximizer like I am, you might have heard that and thought, oh my goodness, I can't afford a trip right now. It can be anywhere, y'all. It doesn't have to be a trip. It doesn't have to be across the country or across the world. Where does your inner child want to go in a way that's easy to go there? So I am from New Orleans, and so this might sound morbid and odd and weird to the average person out there. But in Louisiana and in New Orleans, we love us some old cemeteries. So I grew up going to cemeteries. It's one of the things you do as a youth in rebellion. As an adult, I feel a sense of home in a cemetery. It reminds me to talk to my grandparents. So I have found some very old cemeteries throughout the Colorado Rocky Mountains where I live now. I love to find them. I love to go spend time in them. I love to imagine the lives of people from the past through their headstones. And this gets me out of my head and into my life, into the experience of being alive, of thinking and feeling and allowing ourselves just to feel good and easy. We get to have healthy escapism in this life, y'all. Not survival escapism, healthy light escapism. When I didn't know how to have healthy escapism, the truth is I drank way too much to get the escapism that some part of me knew I wanted and frankly knew I needed. 
You get to build into healthy escapism. That's part of what's offered to us through fun, through ease, through play. Where would you like to go explore and experience? That's right around you. What might a new experience of a new place do for you? Do for your senses? Do for your mindset? Do to help you feel alive and living, experiencing in your one precious life? Can it be as simple as a park, a museum, an outdoor art exhibit, a zoo, a green space, a restaurant patio, an old bookstore? Go somewhere you've never been before. Number four, laugh at yourself. Make jokes that are not low vibe or sarcastic or mean. Sometimes we grow up in dysfunctional family dynamics where laughing at ourselves is really bullying. It's really cruel. That's the dark side. We can flip that coin and practice the light side. Y'all, I constantly have to laugh at myself. I'm a goober. I'm a goofball. I'm a silly goose. I just had to order some air tags because I cannot lose my keys any more times in my life and spend any more life force looking for them. I can get mad at myself or I can laugh at myself and try to find a solution. If you are on my Instagram this week, you saw me post the mama and the baby moose that we saw right outside of our house this week. Y'all, we saw the baby first. I saw the baby out of the window. The baby scared the hell out of me, startled me, and I started laughing at myself. Learning to laugh at ourselves is a sign of maturity. Learning to laugh at ourselves with love is part of how we make difficult life moments lighter. There, there's certainly a way that we can use humor to deflect, to never be serious, to avoid. That's not what I'm advocating for. We have a lot of power to lighten the moments of our lives. And there's a lot of healing offered right there. And it's available to you, not next week, not a year from now, right now today. And my last one, if y'all have taken my actionable soul care course, you know this is in the lesson about having fun as actionable soul care. My number one way to have fun and practice presence with adults to little bitty kids is to just stop your life to go outside and to blow some bubbles. Because there is not one reason to blow bubbles other than I am alive and bubbles are joyful. And to watch them dancing on the wind, it connects us with wonder. Even to be able to blow a bubble and make a bubble, that's a pretty cool thing as a human being. That your in-breath and your out-breath created that little bubble that floats out there on the wind. And we watch it and it floats as long as it can like some kind of magic until some kind of force, some kind of little magic says, this is the end of the bubble and it pops. That's exactly the energy that so many of us missed as children. Or we got tastes and samplings when we needed full meals, full servings, three meals a day of that type of lightness, joy for life, permission to not be in struggle, to smile, and to quite literally be light. I want to thank all of you that listen to the show. Y'all share it with people all over the world. Y'all have been our marketing team. If you think this episode will help anyone you know, please share it. 
If there are any episodes from the past that you think would help someone or they would enjoy or they would resonate with, it's easy to come to emotionalbadass.com and share any episode. You know, we all kind of use different podcast players and apps. That's a great way to just send somebody the show. You can find that at emotionalbadass.com backslash podcast. I want to thank those of you who help the show, help work those funky iTunes algorithms that are such a mystery to every podcaster. Thank you for writing five-star reviews. If you're on iTunes or Spotify, we ask you to subscribe. That helps work that algorithm. It helps the show be suggested to more new people all over the world. Rarely does a day go by when my when me and my team don't receive messages going, oh my goodness, I think I'm highly sensitive. I can't believe how much I'm resonating with what you say. I feel less crazy. I feel more peaceful. I'm learning to love myself. It's something that brings me a lot of joy and makes me feel alive. The more that we spread this show, the more people learn to not feel crazy. And that we do have this great permission, this power of self-permission as we become our own authority figures, as our own healers in our own lives. And part of that beauty is knowing that you're not alone, that you're connected to other people. So thank you, thank you for writing reviews, for sharing the show. We're doing a big push to grow our social media that helps us get sponsors for the show. So if you don't already, I invite you to come follow us on Instagram. That's probably where I'm the most active or Facebook or YouTube and TikTok. Like I said, if you were on my Instagram, then you saw the mama moose and the baby moose. And Chris, producer of the show, my husband, he really thought the baby moose was the big giant moose. And I was like, uh oh, nope, there is a mama somewhere. Where is she? This is a baby. Where is that big old scary moose? As we tried to keep Gusto inside because they will stomp him. So seeing a moose is, is a big deal around here. If you want to kind of hang out with me that way, come find us on all the social medias. On Instagram, you can find me at Nikki Eisenhower and The Emotional Badass and search for Emotional Badass on any of the other social medias. I hope this spring you allow so much more fun and ease into your life. It's good to play, y'all. I'm an emotional badass, you're an emotional badass, and together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. Light and love, and I will see you right here next time for a brand new episode. Thank you so, so much. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.